This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. Thank you very much, Barashas, Rabbi Yudin Shlita, Rabbi Markowitz, the Mardasra. Um, I was telling my wife last night that I'm going to be speaking this morning on uh, the topic of uh, what would my Rebbe say. And I mentioned that uh, Rav Shechter is going to be speaking at the, same, at the same function and that his topic is going to be when you should not listen to the rabbi. So she said, oh, so you're speaking about him and he's speaking about you. Uh, the, um, so our topic today is what would my Rebbe say or put more broadly the importance of having a Rebbe. Now it's a bit unnerving to talk about such a topic in front of your own Rebbe, especially since I'm nor- normally too nervous to talk about any topic in front of my Rebbe, but you know, here goes. I think this topic of having a Rebbe is a critically important topic because there are many people that don't even understand why it's a topic. They don't even understand that there's a value and that there's such a relationship that exists. You know, people intuitively appreciate the value of having a father, a mother, a sibling, a child, a friend. They understand the value of those relationships. They understand that if somebody grows up, Nebuchadnezzar, for example, that they're missing out on something very important. Someone who's an only child understands that they're missing out on a certain relationship that other people have and that they don't have in their lives. And, and the same is really true for people who don't have a Rebbe, that you're missing out on a certain type of relationship. And even the truth is, for people who don't have Talmidim, that you're missing out on a certain type of relationship that, uh, that really enriches a person's life. So a person, uh, the, the difference between those cases, though, is that a person who's a Yasom cannot manufacture for himself a parent. A person who's an only child cannot manufacture for himself a sibling. But a person who doesn't have a Rebbe actually can make for himself a Rebbe. Meaning that's really up to us to be able to find a Rebbe and to be able to, uh, to, to, to develop such a relationship. So I figure what better way to begin this discussion than with the Dvar Torah on this week's Parsha that I heard from my Rebbe, Morena Rav Shechter Shlita, in the name of his Rebbe, Rav Salvechik Zuchar Levracha. The parsha ended off yesterday with the mitzvah of tzitzis. At least here in Chutzlar, it ended off yesterday with the mitzvah of tzitzis. I was at a bar mitzvah on Friday night, and there was an aunt and uncle from Eretz Yisrael that spoke on Friday night. They spoke together. It was a whole cute thing, and they were making jokes, and they were being funny. And then uh, they said, and now it's time to get serious. And they said on Friday night, and in this week's parsha. Korach stages a rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu. And you see the Bar Mitzvah boy's face go, what? He went white. He prepared Pasha Shalach. He was correct. They didn't know that they were, uh, that they were holding an Eretz Yisrael. So the, uh, but the Parsha that we read yesterday ended off with the Parsha of Tzitzis. And the requirement is to put on Tcheles in the Tzitzis as well. So at the beginning of Parsha's Korach, Korach makes a rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu's leadership. And Rashi understands that Korach was picking on the mitzvah of Tcheles, and he came with a Beget Shekul Tcheles, and he came with some type of argument that, uh, that it shouldn't require Tcheles, because if even one string is good enough to patter an entire Beget, then a Beget Shekul Tcheles is even better, and it shouldn't require any, uh, any strings of, uh, of Tcheles. So what was Korach's big
big problem with tcheles. You know, if you ask people who are nebuch disgruntled with Yiddishkeit, you know, what are your tainas? Usually it's uh, some sort of uh, perceived inequality or a Rebbe who was mean to them or they had some bad taste in their mouth from some experience that they had. Well, tcheles is the big turnoff from, uh, from Yiddishkeit. That's going to be the thing that he picks on. That's going to be the hill that he dies on is going to be about tcheles. What is it, the argument about tcheles? Rav Salvechik uh, repeated a drasha that he had initially said in Eretz Yisrael in 1935 when he, went, uh, when he went to visit Eretz Yisrael, when he was up for an important position there. And he quoted Rav Hirsch and developed the idea a little further that in life in, 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 and in mitzvos, there are things that we understand and there are things that are beyond our understanding. There are things that are within our ability to fully grasp and there are things that we'll never really fully understand. And that which we understand, we typically refer to as lavan. Lavan is something that's white, that's clear, that's understandable, that's something we're able to absorb. When the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam, he often uses the Lashon of Eina Mechuvar, Lo Mechuvar. Mechuvar, Ches Vav Vav Reish, means that it's not white, meaning it's not clear. It's a fancy way of saying that something is not fully understandable. The Pasuk in the context of Motsi Shemra says, So the Simla, Rashi understands, uh, based on Chazal, What's Mechuvarim? Something as white as a sheet, clear as a white dress, clear as something that is white. White represents that which is clear to us, that which we understand, that which is readily available to our uh, ability to understand. On the other hand, Tcheles represents the Kisei HaKavod. The Gemara tells us, person sees the Tcheles, and it's supposed to remind him of a series of things, the Yam and the Rakia, but ultimately it's supposed to remind the person of the Kisei HaKavod, which is something that we obviously don't really understand. We can never understand the Merkava of the Shechina, we don't understand what goes on up in Shemayim, so while Lavan represents that which is clear to us, Tcheles represents that which is beyond our comprehension. So Rav Salvechik explained, Rav Shechter told us, Rav Salvechik explained that Korach argued that we all stood at Har Sinai. So we don't need a religious guide because we can also interpret the Torah. We're fully capable. Moshe's response is that even the most learned people, even people who stood at Har Sinai, even people who feel that everybody is tcheles, that everybody, after the Rebbe passed away, you have to try to figure out what the Rebbe would say. Everybody needs a guide. Everybody needs somebody who is in a certain sense a religious role model, a teacher, someone who uh, passes on the Mesorah to us. The, the beginning of the reform movement, Rav Shachter pointed out, was with many Talmidim of the Chassam Sofer who started making slight changes. You know, things like sturgeon being kosher, things that were really you know, changing the language with, uh, that we daven in, davening in, uh, in, in the spoken language rather than Lashna Kodesh, which really, strictly speaking, from a halachic perspective, are really Dvarim Shalma Bekach. These are not the, such significant, significant changes. The Gemara says davening in other languages, but is mutter. It's only a problem when davening b'yechidus, because b'yechidus you need the help of the malachim, and the malachim ashares are not mevinim, or not niskakim, to lashon arami. So the, uh, the reform introduced davening in the vernacular, and Kivegr and the Chassam Sofer were never consulted about this, and they held that if you keep davening in Hebrew, 
people will learn Hebrew. And once people learn Hebrew, that opens up worlds to them. That opens up the ability to learn Chumash, and to learn uh, all of Tanakh, and to learn uh, Shulchan Aruch, to learn so many things. If you don't speak Hebrew, then, then the Torah remains a closed book to a person. It was worth the investment of struggling with the Hebrew and the tefillah in order to be able to develop the full religious personality. And the Gedolim were able to see that. It wasn't necessarily about the tefillah per se. Parenthetically, I once read in one of the biographies of the Satmar Rebbe that the Satmar Rebbe didn't like that, uh, that women were taught to read Hebrew for the same reason. He didn't want women learning too much Torah Shabalpeh and learning too many other areas of Torah. So he said they shouldn't know what, what any of the words mean. That's quite an extreme uh, application. But the principle is that when you know Hebrew, you're able to, to, be, to understand so much more of Torah. So the initial psakim of the reform movement weren't that outlandish. But look at the disaster that it, uh, that it led to. That a person who doesn't have proper guidance, a person who thinks that we're all tcheles, we're a begat shakulo we don't need Torah leadership, is ultimately going to go off the rails at some point. So I wanted to share with you a thought about the importance of seeking guidance. So Dvar Torah about the importance of seeking guidance, and then maybe discuss some of the practical benefits to having a Rebbe, and some of the practical methods that one can ensure that they actually do have a Rebbe. Uh, as, as far as uh, the, the, the Torah thought, I want to turn back to Parsha Shemini. The Torah tells us at the beginning of Parsha Shemini that Moshe summoned a small group of people to give instructions about the types of karbanos that had to be brought to finish consecrating the Mishkan. And the Pasuk says, He called Aaron, he called Aaron's sons, he called the Zikanim together. So you, you imagine there's some major meeting that's happening over here. There are some important people that are being called. Aaron, Aaron's sons, the Zikanim, probably Moshe is going to have what to say to each of these groups of people that are there. And then it comes time to actually instructing them what to do. And Moshe speaks to Aaron Ubanav, but the Torah doesn't record anything that he says to the Zikanim. The Zikanim are there, and Moshe called them there. They're supposed to be there. And then he doesn't address them. He only addresses Aaron Ubanov. It's a bit odd to call the Zikanim to a special meeting and then ignore them while they're there. So the Medrash comments that the Zikanim were critical because Nimshulu Yisrael la'of. That the Zikanim were critical because just as a bird cannot fly without its wings, so too Klal Yisrael can't do anything without the Zikanim. Now what exactly was the role of the Zikanim? What exactly is the Medrash highlighting? They just stood there. They just listened. They weren't even involved in the conversation. Furthermore, when Moshe Rabbeinu instructs Aaron to bring an Egel, Moshe then tells Aaron that Vel In addition to bringing his own Egel as a carbon, he should instruct Klal Yisrael to bring a calf and a goat. Now, Moshe is telling Aaron to deliver a message to the Jewish people. Typically, Moshe Rabbeinu was perfectly capable of delivering messages to the Jewish people on his own. He didn't need an intermediary to tell uh, the Jewish people. Why involve a middleman unnecessarily? And a, a third question. The Medrash says that the choice of a goat for a karban was due to the fact that it was meant to serve as a kapara 
for the time the Bnei Yisrael, the original children of Yisrael, used a goat's blood, the children of Yaakov used a goat's blood to aid in, in Mechiras Yosef. That they didn't know how they were going to break the news to Yaakov that Yosef, and that Yosef is no longer there, so they used the goat's blood as a method of uh, showing Yaakov or uh, misleading Yaakov to believe that Yosef was killed. That's also difficult to understand. Of all times to finally be Mesakein, Mechiras Yosef, why of all times would this occasion of consecrating the Mishkan be the proper time to atone for the sin of Mechiras Yosef any more than, say, for the sin of Cain killing Hevel or any previous misdeed in Jewish history? Also, if you're going to look for symbolism that would represent the sin of Mechiras Yosef, why would we choose the symbolism of dipping the coat in the blood? The, aver, the Aveira was the kidnapping and the sale. The coat in the blood, that was the cover-up. That wasn't the sin. That was the way they covered up the sin. Wouldn't it make more sense to atone for the sin with something that represents the actual Aveira itself rather than something that represents the cover-up? So I think there's, there's an important lesson to be learned over here. When you look at any major Aveira, any major mistake, any major blunder in history, it's important to look beyond the outermost surface of the Avera and to try to find what's the underlying cause. Where does it come from? What gave birth to this Avera? You know, the Mishnah Masecha Sota and Davzayin tells us that when we try to convince the Sota that she should admit her wrongdoing, that she should admit her mistake, we acknowledge to her that it's not about this particular Avera, that there must have been causes. And we tell her, we give her a whole speech about what the typical causes of Avera are. Harbe yayin osa. Drinking wine can cause you to make very poor decisions in life. Harbe yaldus osa. Being very immature can lead to very bad decisions in life. When a person treats life like a joke, it could lead to very bad decisions in life. Having bad neighbors and having putting yourself in, among bad chevra can lead you to bad decisions. We always understand that the Aveira is a function of something that was wrong beneath the surface. On the surface... These Averos of Mechiras Yosef, the Egel, the sin of Nadav and Aviyu, these are sins of kidnapping, of idolatry, of overstepping one's boundaries. But, but a closer look reveals that perhaps there's a common cause for all of them. There's a single moral failing that led to all of these Averos. The last thing Moshe Rabbeinu told the Jewish people before ascending Har Sinai was what the contingency plan is should any significant crisis arise in his absence. Rabbanim do this all the time. Before they go on vacation, if they're not going to be easily available for Shailas, here's who you can contact. This is a person that you can speak to. This is the, a great leader would not leave the people high and dry. He would not leave the people without someone to talk to. He specifically told them, If you have an issue, go to them. I'm leaving you in the capable hands of Aaron and Chur. If anything happens, seek their guidance. And then something happened. And instead of seeking their guidance, the Bnei Yisrael decided, according to many Rishonim with the best of intentions, to take their own course of action to address things the way they wanted to address them. Not only did they not ask Chor for guidance, but they killed him when he offered it. So instead of submitting to Aaron's thoughts and plans, they had intimidated him into going along with their thoughts and plans. 
the tail was wagging the dog. According to the Gemara in Sanhedrin of Zion, they would have killed Aaron had he not gone along with their plan. Moshe Rabbeinu left instructions that the leadership should lead, and the people said, we're not interested in the leadership leading. When Yosef's brothers sold him, they also acted L'shem Shemayim. There's an abundance of source material that traces their every move in the Dine Torah and shows how noble their goals were. Yet, when you make such a weighty decision, and there are people that are older, there are people that are more experienced, there are people that have come before you that are still alive, namely, in this case, Yaakov Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu, were both still alive, Shem Ve'ever, there weren't a lack of people to consult. It wasn't a chisarun and the lack of shem shemayim that, they, that they, they did this aver with. They decided we can handle this on our own. And that failure was the same failure as the chada egel. The hubris in believing that they can handle everything without seeking counsel from gedolim. They themselves were also tcheles. They themselves were also great people who were able to understand things. But, but there, were, there were people who were greater. And when making a weighty decision, that one is, is, is compelled to consult with people who are greater. When Nadav and Aviu brought an H. Zara, they too were full of positive energy and emotion, completely overwhelmed with Avas Hashem after seeing the Eish Yorid Min Hashemayim. But the Medrash highlights when they were Omed Lahosif Ava Al Ahava, they weren't Cholek Kavad Aram. When they decided to take the next step, they didn't give the proper respect to Aaron. They never bothered asking the Kohen Gadol, who is the CEO of the Mishkan, what's appropriate to do and what's not appropriate to do. He, he also happened to be their father. And they never asked whether it's a good idea to invent their own avoda in the place of his greatest jurisdiction, the Mishkan. And their sin too was one of not consulting with those who knew better. So you see this common thread in all of these things. And now we understand how to answer all these questions that we started with. When doing that which would achieve kapara for the indiscretion of not paying proper respect for the zikainim, it was important to include the zikainim in the conversation, even if they're not going to have an active role in the kapara itself. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu won't talk to them directly, but he calls the zikainim and he includes them, even though they're not instructed to do anything. That's what the Medrash alludes to with the imagery of a bird that cannot fly without its wings. When we engage in our daily activities, learning and davening, it's not so critical to seek guidance at every turn. Not every decision a person makes in life needs to be, you know, every minor issue, minor thing that comes up through the day, through the course of his day, needs to be dealt with. But when we look to soar and to fly and to accomplish and to do something new and, and to do something great, we have to be very careful that our energy is properly channeled. It's particularly true in our day and age of mass communication and social media. We see so often there have been times where a local rabbi or a local principal makes a decision that they think affects only their Dalit Amos. But we don't realize that nowadays almost any decision that's made within a Mossad, within a yeshiva, within a shul, can have global impact. I sent an email to my shul this past Erev Shabbos. To my shul, I have a little shul, North Woodmere. It's not even officially in the five towns. It's South Valley Stream. Right? It's just an email to my little chevra. 
And then I was walking in, 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 in uh, a friend of mine rather, was walking in Woodmere yesterday, and he said, oh, people kept on coming over to him to talk about that email. What are you, what are you reading my shul's emails? Because it, everything goes out. Everything goes everywhere. And a person makes a decision locally, and it goes, it goes everywhere. And, and we have to realize that whatever, whatever, whatever we're doing in our little corner of the world, there's an achrayus. And the level of achrayus those decisions carry is therefore much greater. When issuing the instructions on bringing the Egel as a kapara, Moshe could have told the Jewish people directly what to do. He specifically didn't tell them directly. He said, you, can want, you, you want to get these instructions? You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to speak to Aaron. Because that's ultimately the kapara. The kapara was not only for the Avera, it's because of the context that the Avera happened in. I left you with leadership and you didn't consult them. You didn't follow their guidance. You guided the leaders in, instead of allowing the leaders to guide you. So now you're going to want to know what carbon to bring. Aaron is going to be the one that has to tell you what carbon to bring, even though I am here right now. And although the sin of Mechiris Yosef was in the kidnapping and the sale of Yosef HaTzadik, the root of the sin was in the exclusion of Yaakov from the process. What better symbol can there be of the exclusion of Yaakov from the process than the dipping of the coat in the blood of the goat, an act that was designed specifically to keep Yaakov in the dark? We want a kapara from Mechiris Yosef. So we pick as a symbol for the kapara of Mechiris Yosef that which specifically excluded Yaakov Avinu, that which was designed to exclude Yaakov Avinu. Throughout history, people have always said, oh, if only we had gedolim like we used to have. If only, uh, you know, nowadays they say, if only Rav Salvechik were still alive, and Rav Salvechik were around, if only Rav Kiva Eger were still alive, if only the Rambam were still alive, if only... And the truth is, you understand where that's coming from. I heard Rav Asher Weiss say on a number of occasions, some of the shailas that come up nowadays, he feels like we need the Rashba to paskin some of the shailas that come up nowadays. There's such complicated, difficult shailas, such groundbreaking new shailas that come up with fertility medicine and things like this that, uh, that we never could have dreamed of. We need the Rashba to be machriya on some of these things. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of his people. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us leaders. Dar dar vidar shav. Yiftach Bedoro, Kishmol Bedoro, he gives us those who we can seek guidance from. Our responsibility is to seek that guidance. So I want to talk a little bit about the importance of having a Rebbe. The Gemara Makos Tafyud tells us that a Talmud Shagala, if a Talmud goes to Galus, to near Miklam, Megalan Rabbo Imo, that the Rebbe goes with him. Why? Because the Pasuk says, V'chai, that Ovid Leimidi Ditavile Chiyusa, that the person has to be able to live in Galus. The Rambam elaborates that the Rebbe goes to Galus, Aselo Kedesh Yichya, Vechaye Baale Hachachma Umevaksheha, Below Talmud, Kemisa Chashuvim. If a person is trying to be a Bal Chachma, a person is trying to be an intellectually sophisticated person, a religiously sophisticated person, and they don't have the ability to learn from a Rebbe, Kemisa Chashuvim then their existence is like an existence of Misa, it is not an existence of Chayim. For those who never had such a relationship, again, it's hard to understand. For those who have had such a relationship, it's obvious. In the natural order of the world, the Talmud survives his Rebbe. 
And even while the Rebbe is alive, the Talmud moves far away from his Rebbe often. But a person can't really go without a Rebbe. Rav Luchensin, uh, when Rav Luchensin's Zechron of Racha made Aliyah, he made Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach his Rebbe. He felt he needed a local Rebbe. Moreno Rav Shachter Shlita always tells us that as long as Rav Tendler was alive, he felt some sense of comfort that one of his Rebbeim was still, was still alive. And, and once one's Rebbeim are no longer around, so then we have to visualize, what would my Rebbe say? What would my Rebbe do? How would my Rebbe approach this problem? Because the way we, we relate to our Rebbeim is not just by collecting a bunch of data points. That, oh, he said this, he said this, he said this. Our Rebbeim give us a way of looking at the world, a way of thinking. Just like in learning, when, uh, when, when a person has a Rebbe learning, there's very, it's very rare that a person learns all of Shas and all of Shulchan Aruch with a single Rebbe. But the, the Rebbe can give you sodos. The Rebbe can give the basic foundational ideas that help a person in learning. And with those Yisodos, you can understand so much more in learning. It opens up doors in learning. And the same is true in life and in Hashkafa. So why is it so important? First and foremost, the reason it's important to have a Rebbe is so that you can know how to learn. You can know what to focus on, what the Yisodos are. Roshach Tashlita told us that when he was in uh, high school still, so he was in Rav Salvechik Shir, Rav Salvechik, I think, if Rabbi Lukrakman said Shir twice a week, and they felt that it wasn't right for a 16-year-old high school boy to only be in Shir twice a week, so they had to put him in a Shir for the other days of the week, so they sent him to Rav Gorelik Shir. So Rav Gorelik would ask Rav Shechter every once in a while, no, what did Rav Yashaber say about this? And one time, uh, Rav Shechter said, Rav Yashaber didn't talk about it. the Rav didn't talk about this, uh, this Rashi. And Rav Gorelik said, ah, just like you learned from Gedolim what to focus on, we learn from Gedolim what not to say on. So we're not going to say on this Rashi. Meaning you learn. You learn what's important and what's not. You learn where to, where to put your energies in learning. The whole, whole Mahalich in learning you learn from a Rebbe. But it's more than that. When a person has a Rebbe whose guidance that you accept, I, I mean, I find certainly as a, uh, a Shul Rabbi, it saves a lot of ag- Agmas Nefesh. A lot of Agmas Nefesh. In my various jobs, my employers all know that whatever important decisions I will make will not be my own. Uh, consequently, there's much less room to second guess and to question and to criticize. You know, you knew what I would do. You knew that I was going to follow the instructions of my Rebbe when you hired me, so you can't be surprised or disappointed that I did exactly that, even if it wasn't politically expedient. It helped enormously during COVID and continues to help with some sticky situations in shul, in yeshiva, to know that we followed the guidance of the Ene Ha'eda, and there was no, there's no, uh, there was no doubt about it. Now, having a religious role model not only is helpful in that sense, but it can help. Uh, having someone w- with whom to identify is an important tool in keeping a person in line. You know, the Mepharshim will point out a stira in Rashi in yesterday's parsha, in Parsha Shlach. On the one hand, Rashi writes about the Miraglim that they were called Anashim because Kal Anashim Shabimikra Lashon Chashivus Vaosa Sha'akshirim Hayu. At that time, they were Ksherim. They were tzaddikim. The Balaturim confirms this with a remez. Shalach l'cha anashim, says the Balaturim, sofei tevos, of that phrase, shalach l'cha anashim, a ches, a chaf, and a mem spells out chacham, because they were all chachamim, they were all tzaddikim. On the other hand, Rashi writes on the Pasuk, Ve'elchu ve'evo el Moshe ve'el Aaron ve'el kaladas b'nei Yisrael, 
that mahu vayelchu, what does it mean? Vayelchu lahakish halichasan lebiyasan. Ma biyasan beitzara'a, af halichasan beitzara'a. That already, as soon as they started going, they already had this evil plot. They were already planning on doing, they were already up to no good. So which is it? Were they righteous when they began their mission? Or were they plotting the entire time? So the Bartanura explains, I saw quoted Rav Hanuk Leibowitz in his uh, Sefer and Chumash quotes. No relation. It was the Rav Shiva of Chavitz Chaim. As soon as they turned their back on Moshe Rabbeinu, that while they were in touch with Moshe, while they were in front of Moshe Rabbeinu, they were tzaddikim. As soon as they turned away, they were shayim. As soon as they left their Rebbe, whether it be physically or more likely, symbolically, that's where the rituals began. The power of identifying with the Rebbe, of living up to a standard that a Talmud of that Rebbe ought to live up to, can make the difference between Rasha'im and Sadiqim. That question that goes in a person's mind, what would my Rebbe say if he were here? Would he be proud of this decision? Would he be proud of the shear that I'm giving? Would the things I'm saying upset him? Would the things I'm doing upset him? Would the way I'm raising my children, the decisions I'm making, be something that he would approve of? In a sense, a Rebbe is like a degel in a family. You know, raising children to know that's the person whose guidance we follow clearly, and that demonstrates that you're not just making it up as you go along. So how does one do this? I can't tell you how many times I've spoken in places, and I, I, I quote Mori Varabi, and people come over to me and say, I don't have a Mori Varabi. I don't have a Rebbe. How, how do I do it? How do I make sure that in my life that there is such a thing? So the Mi'iri in Pirkei Avos comments on Asei Lecha Rav, Chaver, that the Lashon Asiya implies working much harder to make something happen. If you buy a suit, it means that it was there, and you had to pay money, and uh, now the transfer of ownership, now you own the suit. If you make a suit, it means that you spent a lot of time cutting fabric, measuring, probably a lot of trial and error, certainly your first time. And a person has to work much harder at making a Rebbe. It doesn't always happen naturally or organically like friends do. A person has to make a concerted effort to develop such a relationship. Shimush Talmideh Chachamim is a critical element. It means to talk and learning. It means to see the Hanhagos of the Rebbe. I remember I once, um, I was having surgery once. And uh, it was a pretty uh, private thing. I didn't want to tell anybody about it later. I told a lot of people about it, but I didn't want to tell anybody about it at the time. And I was uh, a little nervous. I felt like I needed uh, some bracha in my life the night before the surgery. So I was on this WhatsApp chat where they said, uh, um, Mordechai ja- Rabbi Mordechai Javahari used to run this WhatsApp chat. Uh, maybe he threw me off since then, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't see something about giving Rav Shechter rides when he needs a ride someplace. So they just put out, if uh, Rebbe needs to get to the airport, anyone going tomorrow. So they put out, the night before my surgery, Rebbe needs to be picked up from uh, JFK. Rebbe and the Rebbe are coming back from, uh, I think it was California. Anyone can pick them up from JFK and bring them back to Washington Heights. So I said, I'm doing it, I'm, I'm, I'm in. So I, uh, I went to, I just felt like I needed to, 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 to be near Rebbe a little bit before, uh, before my surgery. I didn't t- tell him I was having surgery, but uh, so, uh, so I drove Rebbe home. And on the way, he said, um, you know, this driving me, this is for the Talmudim to be doing. I said, I, 
I'm insulted. <laughs> I think I am a Talmud. <laughs> he said, no, no, this is for the younger Talmudim to be doing. You shouldn't be, uh, you're rough already, you shouldn't be schlepping around, you know, driving here and there. So I said, Godel Shimusha Yosemilimudo. And Rav Shachta said, Godel Shimusha doesn't mean that you pick up someone's dry cleaning for them. Godel Shimusha means that you, you, you learn from the Hanhagos, you learn from the, uh, you know, what the Hakpados that a person has, you learn from their personal Chumras, you learn from, and you see what the Hakpados and Halach are supposed to be, and what proper, proper Hanhagas Hachayim is. And that, that's, that's a major element of developing a rabbi, of paying attention, paying attention to the little things. It also means actually being present in their lives. It means attending shiurim in person. Uh, you know, it means, uh, you know, the Medrash says, Why is the Torah like a ta'ena? Why is the Torah like a ta'ena? Most trees, the fruits all come at one time. But you pick the fruits little by little. So that's the way Torah works. That you learn a little bit today, a little bit more tomorrow. The Medrash says, you can't learn all of Torah in a year or two. So, Notzarta'ena, means pre-shal Torah. That you pick up the payrolls of Torah by a little bit here, a little bit there. The, Mishnah, the Medrash Shmuel in Pirkei Avos says that you should learn from one primary Rebbe so that your mind is not scattered in different places. Shekein Matsinu Shom Chazal al Rav Yehuda. Chazal tell us that if a person has too many rebbeim and he has no primary rebbe, but your general hadracha in learning and in life should be from one primary rebbe. My, my dear friend Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg did a, uh, an interview with Moreno of Shachter Shlita a while back and he was asking Rebbe about all of his various Rebbeim. And what emerged was that Rav Shachta has such derech for all the different Rebbeim that he had, but what also emerged is that there was a, a, the unmistakable impression that there was one clear primary Rebbe that was the guide in his life. And that's how Rav Shachta is produced. And another eight, um, okay, I have one minute. Being mekabel from him, appreciate his greatness, and that he sees what you don't see. The Sefer Lev Avos writes, In order to get the benefit that one should have from a Rebbe, You have to trust that he's able to see things from a broader perspective. That you have to rely on what he's saying. Now, let me clarify what that means. I heard from my friend Rabbi Chaim Eisenstein. He quoted Rav Nevensal. Rav Nevensal discusses the stira and the hanhaga of Rabbi Lozben Horkinus. On the one hand, the Gemara says in Sukkot Chavches that Lo Amar Davar Mipi Rabo that he never said something that he didn't hear from his Rabbi. But on the other hand, Chazal tell us that he said Chidushim Shalosham Ozen Meolam that he said such Chidushim that nobody ever heard. So which is it? Was everything he said just old stuff that he was repeating that he was recycling from his Rabbi, or was he saying brand new Chidushim that nobody ever heard? So Rav Nevensal suggested that there were different stages. When you're sitting in front of your Rebbe and your Rebbe saying this year, question, ask, push. You can, you can, you can uh, say things, but then once the Rebbe is machria, the Rebbe is machria. And once he, he heard all the, all the tainas, he heard all the arguments back and forth, and he made a decision. 
They, they say that Rav Shach used to refer to Rav Nevensal as the great Kategor. Rav, Shach, Rav Nevensal was Rav Shach Shir. Rav Nevensal was, was always driving him crazy. He was a big Kategor. He was always arguing against him in the Shir. But once the Rebbe was Mechriya, the Rebbe was Mechriya. I, I have to add that Moreno Rav Shach Shlita, when we were learning Sukkah, gave a different answer that I think is an even more autobiographical than Rav Nevensal's answer. Rav Shechta pointed out that Rav Salvechik also said, Chidushim Shaloshama Adam Eolam. And yet, every other word of it, out of his mouth was, I heard from my father in the name of my grandfather. How could it be? He's saying, Chidushim Shaloshama Adam Eolam, but he's always saying, I heard from my father in the name of my grandfather. Because of what we said before, all of the Yisodos in learning, the ways of thinking about things, were teachings of his father and his grandfather, but the applications of those Yisodos, to Sugis and Brachos and elsewhere, those were entirely new. If you open up an Eretz Hatzvi, you'll find Vishamati Me'agrit Salvechik Shlita in every piece, and yet every single piece is full of chidushim. The kinds of chidushim you won't hear in any other base madrash. So my message is, 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 is a fairly straightforward one. No matter where we are in life, it's not too late. Many people sadly go through their years of yeshiva without ever having a Rebbe. It's graduation season. One of the messages that Rabbi Kamenetsky delivers at almost every DRS graduation, I think at literally every DRS graduation, to all of the graduates, to all of the boys, is that they should make sure that wherever they go in life, they should have a Rebbe, whether it be the Rebbe from high school, the Rebbe from yeshiva, the rabbi of their shul. It's possible. It takes some effort. But it's possible to pick up some new Rebbeim along the way. But it's well worth the investment of the time and the energy and it's one of those relationships, like we said, it's hard to describe to someone without a sibling what a sibling is like. It's hard to describe to someone without parents what a parent is like. But we have within our control, within our power, to develop that relationship of a Rebbe to be able to hold someone as a guide and a model in order to bring us toward a greater sense of Avodah Hashem.